Hey gang, welcome to episode 159 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson coming to you from NoPro headquarters in Los Angeles, and this episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf, our friends in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Go on down and visit, uh, and they're, they're doing some amazing stuff, amazing stuff for the entire immersive community. Uh, we're very, very honored to be sponsored by them. This week on the show... Our friend, Michael Tara Garver, experiential architect and director, swings on by. This just happened this morning. Like, before I went to work, and I'm on my lunch break right now doing this part of the show. Before I went to work, uh, Michael came by, uh, and we had this lovely chat. Michael's work ha- uh, intersects a lot with um, the, the social impact part of all of this. Um, and I wanted to have her on to talk about what exactly that means. And so we, we had this, like, really far-ranging uh fast-paced kind of kind of dynamic conversation about well you'll you'll see how it rolls it actually pairs really well with the conversation that i was just in yesterday over on damien madre's show uh, experiential by design that show is up uh you can rewatch that on uh, the website that it's hosted at we'll put that in the show notes uh for this episode um and it and it's also kind of reflective of the conversation that um, Anthony and uh, Catherine and I were having last night that we were trying to record uh, for the podcast before before the, the podcasting service uh, ate it. So um, you're going to get a version of that show uh, in a few weeks, but it won't be the one that we sort of started digging into, which is unfortunate because uh, there's something in the air. And that's one of the reasons why I had originally planned on having Jeff Worth. Uh, interview be this week because uh, that was a really good one but there's just something in the air this week and I want to capture it uh, because there's a depth to the work that everyone's doing or a dimension of depth to the work that everyone's doing that I want folks to be uh, conscious of and for me it comes down to something pretty straightforward in that experiential and immersive work is a lot about relationships, relationships of people to space and people to each other. And when we're talking about relationships and we're talking about designing relationships, what we're talking about is designing a social contract. It could be a temporary social contract, but once you have that temporary social contract, then if you keep on doing it, if you keep on coming back to it, it starts to become a norm. So there is an immense power to this work. And we're that's kind of what the conversation's gonna gonna go into here. Let's check in with a couple of things first. This show is brought to you in part by Meow Wolf, but it is also powered powered uh, through the community. No pro, this podcast and everything we do would not exist without our community. Indeed, the podcast started off as a challenge. It was like, hey, if you give us money, we will make this thing, and you did. And now we've got even more work to do. So. This is the year that no pro goes pro. Thanks to Meow Wolf and our backers, we're about halfway there. It's true. We're about halfway there. The Patreon uh, shows us at a sixth of the way there, but I'm going to tell you, we're about halfway there right now, thanks to that powering. Now, that's not 
a call to just like, oh, cool, you got more money uh, from Meow Wolf. Uh, I'll just I'll just pull my Patreon up. Please don't do that because there's so much more work to do. Um, we want to thank our new backers, Timothy Wan, uh, Amanda Sampson, and Kirk D'Amato, uh, who, who jumped back on the train. Thank you all so much. If you go to patreon.com slash no proscenium, even a dollar, I say it all the time, even a dollar a month will help. If you... Um, if you use everything immersive, if you use the Slack, if you use the website, if you pay attention to what we're doing on social media, thanks to Catherine, and if you listen to this show, and I know you're listening to this show because you can hear me right now, um, and you're not a Patreon backer, please, 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 please. A dollar a month equals like $12 a year, um, and if everyone who did that, who listened, and well, if everyone who used everything did a dollar, we'd be fine. Uh, we, we Not only would I be fine, but we'd be able to start paying writers and expanding our work. And it's a virtuous circle. So just remember, uh, it means the world. And also it means that I don't have to stop a podcast (laughs) because I have to go to work. I can just do the podcast. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that? I can't afford the rights to that. So I'm not going to start even singing. The sustaining backers of No Persinium, as always, are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all for rolling out the big bucks. All right, enough of all that. And now our conversation with Michael Tara Garver. Uh, again, she's an experiential architect and director, been doing this for 18 years, doing it for brands, social impact, storytelling, technology, people, all of it together. Here we go. As always, we just stumble into this show. Yeah. So this this one's really in medias res. Um, in media res? I always get that wrong because I read it wrong as a kid. <laughs> I, even, I even have a new copy of the book that I read it wrong in, which is the best part. So, But like, right. it's not if you have a new copy. It's not like if you read it, it's going to sound, you're going to know the sound better. No, I'll just, I'll, I'll probably just reinforce the, right. the, the wrong thing. It's a re- repetitive experience. Yeah. I have I have what uh, Rory Root, the owner, uh, the Jilly departed owner of Comic Relief in Berkeley, called reader's disease, which is you you read uh, a word before you hear the word, yep. and then you you just say it. So for me, for years, I had uh, there were there were two words in the English language that meant roughly the same thing: uh, epitome and epitome. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Then, Those are very different words. Very different words. Like, very, like they're not even like related words, right? They're like, which is odd because usually if a word is somewhat, they're not related. Yeah, except they're the exact same. Word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like it just sounds. What I mean is, like that second word sounds like something oh, yeah. very different. An epitome. What's yeah. an epitome? Yeah, an epitome yeah. is either like a shot or it's um. What? Like a shot? Like what kind of? Shot? Like I mean, like a like a like I think of like a epipen. What? Oh, but it's epitome. like a epi, epipen, huh. or an epitome is like an epic, like, like an, an epi, epic book, like an epi, like a like a shot of of, of literature, like a tome right. filled with epinephrine, or it's an epic book, or it would be an epic book. That's a right. good one. Yeah, um, or it's like the next like uh, experience underground where they're. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like the epitome. Yeah, like uh, the epitome whatever, club. Whatever's going on in the in the 
in the vaults. Yeah, someone, it's like happening in like caves somewhere. Someone, someone should make like a vault experience next year. Call it the Epitome Club and spell the epitome. But if people say it wrong, that's the trick. You gotta yeah, you say, have to say it, it wrong. Right. No, you gotta, well, you, gotta, you gotta say it wrong, which is saying it right. Exactly. In order to get in. Like the password is. Right, people time. are just gonna say epitome over and over. But you the deal is, in. is any yeah. of the people who would go to that are probably listening to this because <laughs> they well, would listen any, to you. And not well, many of them. And so, because. Or you would, be, you, would be t- you would be telling them about this <laughs> cave thing. And then they're like, oh, I remember back in the day that, that, that epitome where. Uh, Noah spoke about the word. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, I could, maybe I can get people to change the pronunciation. Maybe that's, maybe that's my purpose here. I'm a Earth. big fan of making my own works and words and changing pronunciation. Well, we know you're a big fan of making your own works. So, um, <laughs> but making my own words is what I was trying to say and changing pronunciation. I, I, I like, you know, um, calendaring. Calendaring, yeah, yeah calendaring is good. I mean, I I came from, I come from the Bay Area in the '90s, and we like invented half of pop culture language. I mean, Hella exists seems, because of us. Sure, that seems. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hella things I'm, being Hella. I'm, I'm just not gonna be able to believe you entirely that San Francisco is where it all. No, not San Francisco. Bay specifically area. the Bay Area, and specifically okay. the, specifically the East Bay. Okay, Oakland. Okay, I agree with that. Oakland's where the words. Come I'll from. trust yeah. that statement. Too short, E forty, the whole nine yards. Like that's where the words come from. Like Snoop Dogg's patois is just uh, him uh, ripping off E forty and changing things a little bit around. Okay. So that was your hip hop moment. Uh, we've never had one of those before on the show. Words and hip hop. That's where we've begun today. That's where we've begun today. So um, let's, well, mm-hmm. you know, changing language is a kind of social impact. Oh, look at that segue. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk to you. You've been doing a lot of social impact work uh, this year, this, these years. And I wanted to talk to you about, like, what that means in the context of experiential work. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's something that, that, Folks who listen to the show are maybe like peripherally aware of, mm-hmm. but don't necessarily know you know what's going on. Also, because it's not something that people go and like run around and like are taking credit for, because that's not you the can't point. you can't. That's, that's not the point. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder if you could kind of break down some of the work that's been going on that you may or may not have been involved in. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> to put it that way, I think the bigger thing or the first thing to say is like. Uh, it's not that I've been doing it the last couple of years. I think it's that it was a realization that that's what I'd always, why I came to this work. You know, Mm. I've been doing immersive in some way for 18 years and experiential then kind of came out of that because to me it was like, how do we, uh, how do we experience humanness? Like how do we fully experience humanness and immersive when I was younger as a theater artist that made the most sense. Right. And so I was like obsessed with that because it was all around for me, how do we put people in places and spaces where that are unfamiliar and give them the space to have a conversation they might not have otherwise. So if I think about it, like the mission of the work I was making in Chicago was that. Um, and then in my side life, I would like be involved in a lot of social impact uh, organizations, right? I would just volunteer or I would do that work or whatever. So there was like two parts of my life that were developing. And it was in you know, in the last like six or seven years, at the beginning of that, what started to happen is in general, when you talk about like experiential, which to me is, 
immersive on multiple platforms, mm. right? Because being human now, we are human on multiple platforms. True. And the misunderstanding like in the brand world is that experiential is events. Right. And the misunderstanding in the tech world is that experiential is VR, AR, immersive technology. Yeah. And then the misunderstanding in the world world is they don't know what the hell experiential is, right? So um, you just made that word up, right? Exactly, like epitome, right? Like epitome, <laughs> right? But it's but in the in the social impact world in which I grew and became, you know, a, a kind of a support part of because there are people who are leading that world in incredible ways and are friends of mine. Um, there was a need in the same way as I would look at all these other siloed worlds I was working in to figure out how to do it. Like they're doing all the things on all the platforms, right. but how to bring that together. They're telling stories, but how to bring that together. Yeah. And many of them would like, you know, I had a conversation last week with a leader in in the work, social impact work, who was like, yeah, and then we went to South by Southwest and there was the social impact tent and then there was the like experiential immersive tent and I went there to learn and thought that's exactly what we need to be doing. And so it's it's less that like I was like, oh, now I'm going to do this work. I think there was an inevitable outcome for me in that it's at the core of what I've where I what I what I come from and then it was when for me experiential became clear as what I'm doing mm. um and thinking of how we want to also be as a field who do we want to be right. how do we want to create space as a field that the social impact part I have to say it because I need people to I want people to know it but it's embedded in everything for me. It's embedded, has been for the last six years when I work with brands in the way I think about casting. Yeah. Like I have that in my contract. It's embedded in the way I think about where we do things and how we participate with the neighborhoods in which we do them in. Um, so, so there's that way where I think social impact can be a part of our whole field. Yeah. Really understanding that we have power in our work in a way that like, films wish they had power because we are there we are we are there we are also creating interactions and so i'm not saying if those interactions as opposed to being preaching right but are well, create, facilitating dialogue right. like that's actually going to create a long-term impact yeah creating context for relationships to form yep. right it's like yep. It's almost like a it's farming in a sense, right? You're t tending to the mm -hmm. field. Um, you know, it's it, interesting because like the the work qua the work, uh, just you know, devoid from content is often about bringing forms together, right? Like we're gonna take music, we're gonna take theater, we're gonna take technology, we're gonna take. Uh, you know, gamey stuff, for lack yep. of a better term. We're going to shove it in. We're going to figure out how it works. We're going to Tetris that together yeah. and create a cube, right? And then, boom, that's the thing that people go into and they go in one way and they come out another. Right. right. Like, I mean, I might tell that. You're saying that that's how experiential works or how it's working now or how... Well, I mean, just 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 at a, just at a, just at a, like a platonic sense of like, if these were just platonic solids right right you and, know. I, and and the way i think about it right mm -hmm. is i start with what it what is it what's the content what do i want to what are we trying to say oftentimes with brands or with social impact what's the challenge what's the problem right. what's the gap right well and, and i'm just and, and, then and, I'm, I, and i'm just talking like on like the on the on the pure 
on the on the pure theoretical level, not like not like it's a matter of process, but because because that revelation that the people you know in social impact had, which was like, oh, we've got to be bringing people together. It's like, and this becomes like another yet another thing that we're able to bring into the mix, right? Yeah, yes, I would as all not that all things get crunched down, but it's always about it's always about it's integration. Integration. The so, work is know, always about integration. So the way I see it is, first of all, in the social the impact world. world, I think it's important to say, like, bringing people together, organizers have been doing the work right. we talk about, like, how do we do this for years? So right. there's also a huge amount of knowledge that I took from being in that world to the work that I do, right? Like, how do you actually um, develop relationships towards change, right? right. And and you know, the the, experience, the the amount that organizers, digital organizers and ground organizers have been able to accomplish is extraordinary, yeah. right? So there's that. And then, and then there's the fact that there's a digital organizer kind of community and then there's a ground organizer community. And the way those two things have been functioning together was always like, we, we don't have much time because we're working on five cents. So like, let's check in. Great, we're all on the same page. Let's go, right? right? My goals, the way that I now see it and what I'm kind of starting to get called in to do more is how to support those things that are occurring. How Mm -hmm. to say like, okay, I don't want to replace what you're doing. What I want to do is create the architecture that holds those things, not holds, that supports and entwines those things so that you don't have to do extra work because you are tapped, right? right? And, And then we're starting to also think about how that creates long-term narrative change so there's the short game in social impact which of course in this moment in time where we are we're constantly reactive short game and actually i don't just bring this up it's similar you know what's interesting right now is social impact world brand world commerce art um tech they're all having the same thing of we've been playing reactive short game we now need to figure out while we do that what our long game is and it's why they're all Literally, at I'll go into rooms with all those people, and they're asking the same question. Yeah. And, and my thought had been, the inevitable is we have to make work that is not that that then those things that is built for those things to partner with, right? And that they don't have to be the engine of, right? And then they will come together, and then we will have actual long term narrative change, narrative change and social change, and and what's reactive. The reactive part of the work, whether it's, you know, brand activations or it's people telling stories or it's this, the the activism, you know. And, and in activism, I would say, or it's, and this is not diminishing it, a no. march, right? Like, right. Like, like, like this thing happens, we march, right? right. Not a bad, it's an energizer. No. Well, it's because our entire, I mean, it's, it's about, part of it's about like who has the initiative, right? You know, like I, I sometimes go into like role-playing game metaphors. It's like, you know, right now... Uh, you know, certain folks have the initiative, they're setting the agenda, and then you can, you really only can kind of react, right? And you must, you've got to react in order to like, because they've got the power, so you react. And then the the job of building the longer term vision and and getting in there and, and having that agenda be the agenda that takes over, it's something you have to do in concert with the, with the reaction, but, but, almost I, our, but almost our entire society, right? Like if you look at the way you just look at the way the finances run. Finances are the core of the society, and our entire society is based on quarterly reports. Our entire society is based mm-hmm. on quarterly corporate reports. Every action, every policy decision that's made, 
that's that's really gets made is based off the totally. quarterly returns of giant ass corporations. But now what you have are giant ass corporations, small ass corporations looking not only genuinely, not yeah. just having conversations about their financial reports, but they are starting to look at their impact reports. Right. And and which is which is great. It's, it's except a, it's short term. Except it's short term and to get them thinking long term requires some some fun requires pressure to make some fundamental changes in how the in yes. how in hold the whole system. And works. and this is where like I feel a sense of responsibility to just note that like there are amazing people in the social impact space who are playing this long-term game, yeah. who have been, right? But they're exhausted. Like I was at an event last night and I met this gentleman who's been running, um, uh, his name is Harry and I'm going to forget his last name right now, but running an organization called New Earth, which has been working with the foster care youth in Los Angeles for the last, I think, 15 years. Mm. And it's incredible because Los Angeles has the highest... Um, the highest the highest number of of young people that it puts in these foster system huh. homes internationally. Internationally. Yep. And what he's been working on over time is how to change the treatment culture. Five of these spaces are now being closed down this year. To then, with his organization, um, I don't know if this has been publicly released yet. So okay, whatever. Oh, yeah. But with his organization to then revamp them into vocational schools and housing mm. for the foster system, which is like with with creativity and giving them space and then committing to 30 days before they are released, getting them a job. Like that's, that's here's the amazing thing there as I sat there. Okay, mm. so we're talking about not just the logistical part of this, right. which is huge, but also the the way of thinking about space in a different way they are retaking they are taking a site specific place right. truly right. and thinking about how to reallocate what used to be like the observation room of kids right. into a music studio like nice. that in our kinds of storytelling right yeah. we get that yeah so that's where you know it's less to me it's important for us to know that like just like we're looking outside like there of our field to know that this thinking and this work is happening. They may not think of it as an artist, right. but that is beautifully artful. Yeah. That is like artful site specificity and storytelling at its best, yeah. right? So the question I have in the art making field of it or as an artist is how how we instead of, so, first of all, to, to, to educate ourselves on who those people are and what that work is that's being done, how we can make work that is in conjunction with that so brings support and energy and new audiences to thinking about that how and and maybe they don't need it right like maybe that's not something but most people right now are looking also for how to you know he's an obama fellow like mm -hmm. he is an incredible leader what he's doing but to realize the gap between him and, and the other people doing that kind of work. Right. Because he has to just do the work. Right? Yeah. So in a way, you know, it's like a big lofty thing to say, like, I don't, I believe that the power of experiential or the power of myself as an experiential artist is like making work that will have space for these or these organizations missions things that already exist to have a to you know to 
to connect with. I don't know what that, and that looks different in all the different ways I'm thinking about it, right? And making it. Um, so, and again, this comes from me being like an immersive artist at, at my core, yeah. right? Well, and the word platform comes to mind, right? And, right. and what's it's funny, like these days, like I had a lot of conversations this week. I may put this out today, actually. I had a lot of conversations this week um, about... Well, about, about the, the the high philosophical stuff down to like the specifics, and like there's there's a whole thing where what I'm looking for these days is is when people are able to talk specifics and not theory. Yep. Right. You know, and and there's so many, there's so much good intention out there, a lot of good intention. Uh, there's there's some amount of flim flam as well, but what's what's clear to me is all of this sort of you know, big philosophical change, energetic change, all these things people want to talk about. Like, it comes down to bodies in space mm-hmm. and empowering people with the digital tools if you're going to use the digital tools at it, all, right? It's, it's, it's getting people to, it's moving people to action. Yeah. Right? So this work moves people to action. Right. And so I want to just say this because I pulled out his card, so I say his name right. His name is Harry Grammer, and he runs New Earth, and he's awesome and that organization what they're doing is amazing in LA and they're gonna be a case study for around the country but going back like we are experts at our best at how to literally let's just say right now physically move people like when I do uh my work at its best we just did an experience um for a brand called Tenter where we like gave them a graphic novel that told a story about like being in the city and was in New York and not, and not we called it find the fireflies and like not being able to find your spark. And then we, it was a whole graphic novel and then they got picked up and whisked away in a van where they listened to an audio play by a playwright that like told, it was as if instead of the moth hour, it was the firefly hour mm-hmm. and told all these different stories of people finding their spark. And then they got out into the woods. And then when they got to the woods, we had these moments but the craft, and then they went through this journey of finding the fireflies. The craft of it, the real craft of immersive work is the space between. It's how you move people. Because mm-hmm. when I go to immersive work and someone grabs me and pulls me, there's a couple things that I have problems with with that. One, don't touch me. <laughs> Two, <laughs> I'm sorry. Two, that's actually us replicating bad models of interaction Mm. right like if we're talking about a world of consent we're talking about a world of me too we're talking i'm not saying you gotta like tiptoe around people but consent can happen in an immersive experience yeah i'm not saying you can't touch someone i'm saying like how do we get to people moving because they are moved the 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 invitation right? right you know like that that critical moment for me was you know and then she fell when like they asked him like would you like to have some tea right you know and just and and the moments in a show when someone like when a performer reaches out their hand for me to take it as opposed to like i'm gonna shove you around and it's like all okay you're gonna you're gonna shove me around that's great whatever like i just i just start i just start thinking like do you know what you're doing well there's a couple of things it doesn't build trust right Mm -hmm. and we have to build trust in our work the other thing for me is I actually think it doesn't necessarily have to be the hand reach out. I don't even think sometimes it has to be like, will you come and have tea with me? I think those are both great ways. Yeah. I think the first thing is I've got to be able to look you in the eye. We said that we were talking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. I've got to be able to look you in the eye. And as a performer, I've got to genuinely be here. Yeah. First step. 
Yeah. Because if I'm not genuinely grounded in here with you as a human being and another human being, you don't trust me. And then you are going to have to pull me because I, because we are two human beings. My heart's beating, your heart's beating. Like, that's the truth. Yeah. And one of the biggest things I talk about is in all of my work, we have to start in building these journeys from where people actually are, not where we want them to be. And that's a, that's a damn good point, right, is... There's often an assumption, and this goes this goes for any form of communication. Right. Like I see it all the time. Like when people start talking at people, particularly when it's big value laden stuff, like right. the stuff that, ah, uh, yeah, I guess I'm gonna go there. Like the, I, I I have a lot of shame because when GamerGate came up, um, I sort of checked out of those fights initially because I saw everyone talking past each other. And was like, no one's listening, so why should I fucking bother? Uh, I'm just going to get shouted at by both sides um, because no one was talking to each other before it had, before it had fully escalated, right? Mm-hmm. And to take the time to understand where people are actually standing, I mean, it takes a lot of time. And that's one of the, it, that's, that's one of the problems with, like, with the way the internet works is everyone just like can jump to action. This is what the problem is right they're now. They're not jumping to action. They're jumping to words. Well, they're jumping to words, but they're... But they are jumping to action, but it's it's reaction without thought. So they're they're they're, they're totally. But yeah. I want to take the word action out of the t- off the table because I think that we in our field have an opportunity to differentiate that me saying something on the internet is different. Okay. Than an action, because this goes into my social impact world, right? How do we take? P- because what what we do, be- this is where like, let's, an experiential, let's look at all these platforms, right? Mm-hmm. What do we do on them? So if I'm on Twitter, what I do is I comment. I don't make an action, I comment. Right. I comment, I show, I bring up, I, I spark, but I don't actually take action. There is no, one might argue that like an accumulation of tweets could create something. Right. But like... Are, but it, but they, it does have a, it does have impact on the world. I mean, like I'm not saying it doesn't. You know, like, but but I think, but the exciting part to me is like impact. Yes, mm-hmm. but let's separate. Like as experiential artists, like let's separate what I what we what we're getting a human being to do. Right. Not not because it's lesser, but because it's different. No, I know. I mean, like, the and I changed your subject, which was about no, 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 no. This this is the way it goes, right? This is no proscenium. Um, the Here's a funny thing. Like, I don't disagree with you. Like, I've always approached social media as something that was that it was two things. One, that it had a lot longer of a memory than anyone was thinking of yeah. in the moment. And boy, has that it's a panned out. It's a record. And that's panned out, like, big time this year. So many people are getting hurt by the stuff that they, like, you know, said, like, well, I'm just fucking around with my friends. It's like, no, you're fucking around with your friends in public and there's surveillance everywhere. And people have lost, James Gunn lost his job because he was fucking around with his friends like years ago, thinking he was you know, being funny by making pedophile jokes, right? Um, but he was doing it in a surveillance state, which is what Twitter is. Well, I've, I've, well one I've, would argue he's doing it in a surveillance state in which he has agreed and opted into participating in the surveillance. Right. Well, I... I, I, I but but, but you know, let's let's, yeah. let's let's not rabbit hole there. But like but thinking that there's it was relatively consequence free because like not not paying attention to who was actually watching, right? Which is what everyone did, which is what the platforms wanted us to do was to be as much of ourselves as we could be so that they could benefit from that. But that's that's over there. I've always seen it as 
well, these are just sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? Not and, true. And my mother, well, and my mother always told me to consider the source. So I've always had the power of like, if someone's being a total piece of shit to me online, I'm just like, oh, well, you're the kind of person who's a total piece of shit. So I that 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 I, diffuses the power of that, but. People invest so much of themselves into their online identities and into those into those words. So I I I've come around actually to to sort of seeing the the persona people construct online as a as it's a, a as representation a, of self. Yeah. Right? We have and, and, and something that isn't even just a representation. Like it's it's a part of you almost as much as your hand. One hundred percent. I think that the, that we as human beings now live in multiple ways. We live in the way that I am with you right now. I mean, to be fair, the way I am with you right now is two humans talking, but also we know we're being recorded. So like yeah. that's slightly different than how we live. But like yeah. we're being pretty real. And then like I might be cursing more. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I might not like be checking names to make sure I say them right. Um but like uh so so there's that. That's right. the way we're human. And there are certain powers of that humanness, right? We're good at like in that part of being human, I we're in a space at the same temperature. We are having the same similar sensory experience. You can look me in the eye. Right. If you had to say something really horrible to me, it would be really hard because you have you are you are being human with me in the same space. So this goes back to the social impact part, right? right. On you know, I think of each platform, Twitter, uh, Instagram, even like texting, I think of the different ways we're human in those places, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not a big Twitterer. I know I'm supposed to be better. Or I haven't done it yet. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at Instagram because I there understand how to be human as images, right? Like yeah. the, the way I see the world, the way I'm, what I'm looking at, what I want people to look at, right? So like in that, right, the that is the way we are human. I'm I'm pointing my lens to share. I'm sharing a lens. And that's and then I'm p- responding to other people's lenses, right? That's what Instagram is. Texting is an incredibly personal way. Mm-hmm. To like we talk about saying horrible things. People say horrible things over texting. They can. They can say very personal things because it feels like it's just you and me. Yeah. We're being human together, but I don't have to look you in the eye. Yeah. So there's this way that it is all being human. And if we look at each of, as artists, if we can look at each of those ways, not as communicating the same way, but, but, but what are the ways that we are human there? And what are the ways we're not human? And so when I think of experiential, right, I'm like, okay, the challenge, let's say, in um, the immigration conversation right now is about people... Um, being able to not see the the uh, humanity, right? Like genuinely, like I am looking at you, and I can't actually say this thing to you if I'm looking at you. Now there are some people who can, and there's there's cruelty and there's horrible things happening, and that's true. I'm not right now going to focus as much on those people, but what I am focusing on is. I think this work for me, you know, I have a project I've been building for years in North Carolina. One of the things I'm talking about now around the project we're doing is like a tour through the South. Like, I think it's important that we think about the fact that spaces where people can have been have been respected Mm -hmm. to enter and look at each other 
and have been prepared to encounter each other's humanity can over time, not once, right. but over time, change, change, it's, it's time. So, right? And so it goes it's back time, to theater. It's, repet- it's time, it's repetition, it's, it's habit. Well, right? in theater, yeah. theater, right? At its core, when I, because I'm a nerdy teacher who mm. teaches theater, a tish, right? Um, is time and space. Yep. And so if you want to think about the, de- so for me, I'm looking at the long game, right? So the work I'm making, but I also think about the long game sometimes in repeated experiences. I have a project I've been building for a while that will take place in like, you know, those uh, like really fancy cycling classes yeah. where veterans would teach and we would do a whole storyscape around that. But that's the thing. The reason that's time over space is that, yeah, it's 45 minutes, short time, but I go back. And then I go back again because that's a pattern and a thing I already do. I go to this cycling class. Yeah. And what if every time the stories that were being told to me were stories from veterans? that were my, Those were my influencers. Well, it, that it, starts to change my relationship yeah. to that thing. Well, it, it's, it reminds me of something that's come up a couple of times in conversations this week is, you know, it, what is church? You know, church is yeah. weekly. A, a, you, know, they, you go weekly. There's a community. There's a community. There's a there's a narrative. There there's are val- a faith. There's a, there's values that are being being committed. That faith is a code, a code that you live by, and Look, you and, I, and you re, and you reorient yourself to it on a weekly basis with other people doing the same things. It's calibration, right? It's, and it's I, always coming back to calibrating. We, we all calibrate ourselves. Whether this is the thing, whether we realize it or not, we all calibrate ourselves to something. But I, but also, I just want to go back for a second to the like let's talk about real things version of this, right? Yeah. Which like you and I are our 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 conversations tend to both be the like we're we're the like looking at it in the big scope, right? right? Like so there's two parts for me when we look at it the big scope around like social impact in this world. One is I think work with social impact in its DNA mm-hmm. is what I want to be making. And th- what's been great is realizing that like right now I can make that work for brands because they want it and they're hungry for it. And they're hungry for experiential and and how to do that and honor the brands and whatever can make that for long-term storytelling because there's a desire now for like experiential being a story, being an entertainment experience, right? Right. You can do that in, in, the work can still be entertaining and it can accomplish this, right? So there's that. That's the work for me I want to make. That doesn't mean it's preaching. It means it's embedded in the DNA, and in the DNA of how we move people, what we're moving them towards, who we connect them with, how we create space in which they connect with the unfamiliar, those things do that, right? Then there's the other part of me, which we've talked about, where, you know, I care about this field, like the overall immersive field. I've been in it by accident for almost two decades, which makes me feel old. <laughs> but, and I did it, and it was by accident. It wasn't I'm, like. I'm getting old enough that. Three decades is going to feel old great. now. So if that effect comes on, it's great. Great. <laughs> but I mean, I think about this a lot because it's not like I woke up in my 20s and I was like, oh, I'd love to do immersive. I was just making work. And what I was interested in was how uh, it always felt false to me to pretend that there we weren't bringing people together. Fundamentally, when we did a play, we were bringing people together. So how did I like expand upon that? How mm. Right? So I was like... What's really happening is people are coming together. Okay, so if I'm going to make a journey, now I'm going to make a journey from the, I'm going to partner with the restaurant, make a journey from that. And now, and that journey is going to be the first part of the story. And now we're going to have them enter through this door. Like I was just experimenting with relationship building. And at the same time, I was working for a business 
a small business because, you know, we're theater people. So we have six jobs in our 20s. And I was helping them build their kind of brand relationships. And I was using the stuff I was learning in theater around narrative there. And so all these things now, it all makes sense because it all felt separate then. And then I was working in a separate part of my life, working in hospice and around volunteering and different things, right? So all this is to say, it was all to me. I thought I had to silo it. And as I've developed in this field and developed in getting curious about all the different ways we can do this work, the social impact part of it. So first there's the, there's the stuff that I want to make where it's embedded, but then there's the like, then there's the part where I want us to be a field because I came to it by accident where we don't look back five years from now and have to course correct. Right. There's the part where I want us, and I say us as the people who are leading this kind of immersive, experiential, all the different threads of this, right? I want us to really consider when we make choices about the spaces we're going to build something in, who is the community that's being impacted, and not necessarily say, oh, we have to now do this community work partnering with the people who already are doing that community work so that we are responsible, thoughtful artists. Like there are people doing that work. Find them, figure it out. And like I will, you know, con- and, and there's connective so that so that when we do site specific work, we're not, you know, leading the gentrification. Like, yeah. Right. We're not, Which we're is not part pers- of it. Yeah. But we but we're responsibly doing it or or that. Right. Then well, and there's and there's a question to be said. And, and unfortunately, I got I got to move us towards wrap up because mm-hmm. it's a short morning. Um, there's a question to be said, like if if you're not involving the community where you're doing a site specific slash site, it's not site specific. Yeah, it's not site specific. Well, you it's know, just, this yeah. is where I could go down my word level, right? Yeah. Like site specific means you actually it is it is actually about the DNA of that site, which has to do with the people who are there. Yeah. And when it's co opted, that's uh, you know that's co opting something. And and you know. The thing that's important about this is making immersive experiential work to start with isn't easy. Mm-hmm. I'll say it this way. It feels it feels like natural to me, but it's not certainly not easy. It's yeah. it's it requires a lot of constituents and partners and all of those things. If we as a as a field can can now even when we're part I do this when I'm working with brands and like think about what is the like really make sure a there are people in the room Mm -hmm. who are asking the right questions so also that we work on our rooms being um more thoughtful about the audience that we hope to be in conversation with um that we focus on how to encourage and develop a younger generation that does not that has not you know just uh, that's not just white and male, frankly. Doesn't mean it can't be that. It just means, like, let's make a point of opening doors. And this is the thing we're moving towards a pluralistic society, both in this country and by, by definition and default, globally. And if we're going to have a pluralistic society that works, we need to have people represented from all aspects. Well, and I would also argue that like when I'm making stories, you know, simultaneous storytelling has been the part at the core of most of what I do, right? Where we're making 16 individual tracks that run through a public library, incorporating VR, whatever it is about lost stories. 
that's pluralistic storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so experiential and immersive at their core have the potential to be pluralistic in a way that movies have a hard time alone. Yep. But movie in combination or serial sh- shows in combination with this do. So I think the the part of this for me that I get so passionate and excited about is we are actually the art form who if we start participating with the other people doing the work on all these different levels at the best that they are, we actually cannot, we may not have to course correct, but it is our responsibility to say not, oh, I have to do all the community involvement, but who are the people who can? And like, you know, I, as a friend of yours, like I'm a reference point of being like, oh, I know some people here or some people there, but if not, I'm committed to helping us find who those people are. And also you can find who those people are. And that starts... And it's not just I've checked a box, I'm doing community involvement, engagement, which is the word. I and um, one of my colleagues who everyone should know about who does this work beautifully is Jeffrey Jackson Scott. He's based out, he runs a company called People Mover. He's amazing at it. And he started the term community involvement Mm. because that's actually what I, he do. The work in North Carolina they've been doing, I've been going down there for three years to just be there and understand who who are the people there and then to give them ownership in the project we're doing. So I think I also want us to think now about how that is a part of our creativity, not a box check next to the work. And that's when you're making stuff, if you're treating things like it's just a checklist, then, I mean, yeah, there's like- That's the, transmedia. Oh, no, that's transmedia. Well, uh, let's, not, okay. let's not open up that. But you know that. what I mean? That's like, uh, not that's the worst version of that, right? That's like, we've checked all the boxes of the thing. I'm not trying to take down transmedia. Yeah. I'm saying like- the, 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 worst, the worst version is you, you checked all the boxes. And I think I, I think the, the, the point, particularly for folks who are just starting out, because people of all sort of skill levels and, mm-hmm. and, and resource levels listen to this show. I think for people who are just starting out, you know, at the very least- be thinking about the impact. Be thinking about, and if you know you don't have the resources to go and post, because for some people it's just like just getting something up at all, you know, is is a Sisyphusian task. Be thinking about it from the start. Be knowing where your next move is. Be knowing what you want to incorporate, whether that's working on your mobility, whether it's I, like, you know what, whatever it is. That, that that should be the kind of thing you're thinking about from the beginning, particularly if you want to grow your audience. Right, you but I, I might say it slightly differently, which is, you know, our superpower as artists is our curiosity. Be curious, like be like deeply curious about the work you're doing and where you're doing it, and. And when you are and curious about who is around you and open your, like we're making work that intentionally is trying to make people more aware of their humanity. And so if we do that and then we aren't aware of the humanity around us, I get it. Like those first shows I did in my 20s, like it was hard. It's hard and it still is hard. It's a Sisyphean task. You are correct. I would argue that it can't, that, that, that I would say to those who are starting, if you take a portion of your time and find the partners who are going to get it, who need this, who, you know, and you need them, who mm. you can make a mutual, it's not, I'm not giving you a gift. We need each other. Right. And if you can make a mutual relationship with the, with if you're doing it in a neighborhood and you can make a mutual relationship with the neighborhood organizations, that benefits you and it benefits them and 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 figure out how to include them in a conversation, right? Those are the moments, I will tell you, that the audiences I've worked with have grown exponentially. That's been the moments for me that 
that the work has deepened. And that's where we're going to become better artists because we are actually getting curious about who and where and what we are. There's no doubt in my mind we could carry on for the next two hours. <laughs> but the day job calls. Yes, yes. For, the, for, the, for those who want to solve that problem, there's a Patreon. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we got we to gotta, we gotta wrap. Um, Michael, how can people connect with you? Uh, so you can go to michaelterragarver.com. My email, my name is spelled with a K. It's complicated. My parents were trying to be difficult. Um, difficult parents. Yeah, difficult parents. michaelterragarver.com. And also uh, MTG Photo is my Instagram. I'm on Twitter, MT Garver, but... Uh, as I've said not really I'm trying to get better about that Um, please come to michaelterragarver.com I'm actually right now in the midst of building out and Noah and I talk about this a lot the work for brands and social impact uh, where they meet together and um, so get in touch and um, yeah uh, that's where you can find me alright we will do this again in some form yeah Uh, I mean that's given it's the recording that's the tricky part yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no thanks for having me Once again, I want to thank our friend Michael Tara Garver for being on the show today. Indeed, today, literally today. Um, that's a lot of fun. Makes me wish we could, we could do more of that. Like, like get up to like can't buy levels of production where it's just like three a week or something like that. Um, hey, uh, let's talk about stuff that's going on. Spooky season's approaching uh, here in Los Angeles. There's a bunch of shows that have been announced. You know, Delusion's coming. You know, Creep's coming. You know, uh, Theater Macabre. Uh, has been that was like announced like right after last week's show when I was done putting it out and I was like all uh, could he have done it 30 minutes earlier uh, <laughs> could have told everybody in the show that's the new work from Darren Lynn Bowsman and Clint Sears uh, of uh, attention experience it is not attention related because legally it can't be uh, they, they can't do a attention related show uh, unless they're doing it for attention because you know um, business business. This is a theater at Macabre. Uh, expect, expect the unexpectedly expected, I guess is how I'm, I'm thinking of it. Um, there's a bunch more work. Um, we're going to get a listing for it, uh, up soon. We've got a couple of like the technical questions, but, uh, Kate Lane of, um, of apartment eight and of Snowfridge and, of Cavell. She's got a, uh, a one-on-one piece that she's doing uh, called bedroom play. She's actually, uh, kind of like apartment eight. She's, she's doing it at her own place, uh, here in Los Angeles. Uh, that's coming up later in the month. So if you're a fan of that stuff, and I know a fair number of you are, you want to check that out. Um, that will, that listing will be up very soon. Um, again, just a couple of technical things we got to like look into, but the tickets went on sale, uh, early this morning. Um, what else is there going on in the world? Uh, there's, there's a bunch of stuff in New York that sounds really good. I believe it's the, the mile long opera. Uh, I may have gotten that right or wrong. Uh, that was mentioned on yesterday on experiential by design. Uh, it's happening on the high line. Oh my God. I wish I could go check that out. I may not be able to, which is unfortunate. Um, Hey, but you know, um, um, not, not made of money. So, uh, that's not occurring anytime soon. Um, and there's, there's got, um, last week was Midsummer Scream and, oh yeah, no, here, let me slow down a little bit. Last week was Midsummer Scream and I got to check out one of the two previews that Shine On Collective was doing for their new work, which I believe is called Echoes in the Dark. And, oh, Nelly. 
I am amped. I'm excited uh, about what they're up to again. I've, I've always loved the writing in their shows. I've always loved the characters they've created. And uh, it feels, this. there's just something about what they just did that feels really dialed in on the writing, the performing, and on the design side of things. And so I'm just amped. Amped for what we're going to be getting from the crew this year. Indeed, um, it just looks to be a pretty exciting fall here in Los Angeles, and I know that that's going to be true all over the country. It's uh, been fun tracking everything, and I'm hoping that we're going to be able to, you know, have little birdies out in places telling us how things are actually going down this fall. Um, and there's there's so much more to track. Uh, there's Evermore in Utah, which came up in the conversation with Anthony and Catherine last night. There's voids opening up all over the place. Um, n- never, never been a better time. Oh, just announced. Oh, another thing just announced uh, today in Los Angeles. They're doing a, a pop-up for the Happy Time Murders uh, movie that Brian Henson's doing. So they're doing, it's, it's going to be a puppet speakeasy. And one more thing, and if you're listening to this, you are a big fan of the show, and so I hope you spread word on this. Here in Los Angeles, we have Rebecca Morin of Third Rail Projects is going to be out and doing a workshop next week, next Thursday and Friday nights at Thymeli Arts in East Hollywood. Uh, This is a rare opportunity. Came together on short notice, uh, so we would have liked to have, you know, had our dates in order. Uh, this is being done under the aegis of Leia, and I know there's space left. And if you are a performer, if you're a designer, a director in immersive, um, consider consider taking this. Uh, it's $100 for both nights and $60 a night. Otherwise, um, it's it's someone from Third Rail, man. Uh, and in my opinion, there's no people better. Um, so yeah, uh, rare summer opportunity. Uh, that uh, the good folks at Leia, uh, which I guess includes me, are uh, very happy to uh, give out, uh, share with everyone. And uh, indeed, uh, also on the Leia front, uh, we just got a new logo from Jeff Leinweber of uh, of Scott Expedition Company. It is awesome. We are all stoked by it. I like showing it to people because their eyes light up. Uh, it makes me excited. Okay, now, as you can tell, I may have, I may have inserted a few things in this episode. Um that's all the news that's fit to print. Here we go with the end of the show. The end of the show goes like this. The music for No Presidium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Shout out to the Speakeasy Society because they have a show opening up real soon. Go get tickets for it. The sustaining backers for No Presidium are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, and Ross Sigberth. And of course, we could not do this. We could not prepare for the future the way we're preparing for the future without the help of our friends at Meow Wolf. You can contact us at noprisinium.com uh, you can find us at noprisinium I'm at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter uh, the email for me is noah at noprisinium.com if you're pitching a show it's pitches at noprisinium.com I'm pretty sure it's pitches uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash noprisinium is the way that you help us out on the financial side of things I always sound embarrassed when I talk about it uh, I shouldn't be publishing is hell <laughs> there's no there's no money or anything left in anything anymore so this is the only way we manage to do things um that honk might have been my keys i may have just opened my car door by accident okay i gotta go find out if i just opened up my car door by accident uh i will s- until next time i'll see you at the show <laughs> <laughs>